Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to movies that don't have any. I'm Harry and joining me as always is John. Hello. And today we are doing Gravity. But first, um, John, I think you've had another adventure, haven't you? <laughs> so last week you got a pet pigeon. Who's now gone to a better place. Aww. A local church, not the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, so last week we, uh, you and I both went out on a hen night for some mutual friends of ours. Yeah. It was eventful. It was a good night. Many drinks were had. Yeah. So at the end of the night, I was walking home on my own uh, about three in the morning and I tripped on a curb and fell pretty damn hard and I shattered my shoulder in three places. So <laughs> I am now uh, sporting a beautiful collaring cuff and cast kind of thing mm-hmm. and I've had to cancel a holiday I was planning on going on and I'm in a great mood. So. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm also learning all the cool things you can, you can only do with two hands. Top five, go on. Top five, oh, okay. Uh, number one will be the obvious. We'll draw a veil over it, <laughs> but let's just say it's pissing me off. Um, number two. Fair enough. Yeah. Number two, I thought it would be showering. Showering's not that hard, but drying yourself afterwards really is. It's well nigh impossible. You just have to kind of flick yourself with a towel until you kind of vaguely dry. Sounds sexy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eating, that's good. Appealing things, peeling like fruit, like tangerines etc i've seen you trying to pour yourself a cider that's uh, oh that's special yeah that's, that's fun to watch yeah pouring drinks wearing clothes um, so the juggling balls you've got on the table here yeah they're not going to get much use <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll really work on my left-handed uh, one-handed yeah. juggling so yeah so that's me i'm gonna be what will you do next week well tune in next week to find out <laughs> maybe maybe it's your turn but did you notice that the listeners please send requests yes <laughs> Did you notice that the so the people whose hen party well one of the girl, the girl whose hen party mm-hmm. we were attending <clears throat> is the girl who we you killed off in the recent <laughs> episode so there's some kind of weird karmic balance going on here except it's fallen on me rather than you I'm not sure what that means but uh... well hmm. yeah I'll, I'll stop killing our friends please do yeah because I, I would like to live to see another day <laughs> so gravity then uh, yeah so I assume you watched it before this episode I had yeah and had you watched it before that. Actually, no. So this is your first time? This is my first time watching first it, yeah. through. What do you think? Um, my third time. Your third time watching it, okay. I had the injury on the Saturday, <clears throat> and then I went to mm-hmm. A&E on the Sunday. And so I actually watched it the Sunday night after getting back from the hospital. Heavily drugged up. Heavily drugged up, in a lot of pain, and thoroughly pissed off. How that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so I, I didn't enjoy it as much as maybe I would have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good film. I thought <laughs> visually it was absolutely... Stunning. Won nine Oscars. It made me wish I'd seen it in the cinema. Because I saw it on Blu-ray. I I got the Blu-ray, so I could... It was in good visual condition, but mm-hmm. I gathered that the free. I'm normally not a fan of 3D. I've heard the 3D in this film. Did you see it in 3D? I did. I actually saw this the day before it was released. Oh, really? Um, it was the opening film for Leeds Film Festival back in 2011 or whenever it was that came out. Yeah, and I, uh, I watched it in 3D. I was sat at the front as well, and it was very intense. I don't and like being at the front in any cinema situation. It's too in, close to the screen. I mean, like I said, it's really good cinema, and so being at the front didn't make it too close. Oh, okay. Fair um, it was still a very, mm-hmm. very comfortable cinema experience. But it was so weird, because we got to the end of it, and everybody applauded. Well, that's rare. Yeah. It's often a sign of a good film, it's though. very rare that that mm-hmm. happens. And me and the girl I was watching with, we just looked at each other and just like, nah. <laughs> We're not applauding. We, we, we didn't applaud that. Because you didn't feel it warranted it, or you just didn't feel like you could, as a British person, you could justify applauding any film? <laughs> um, no, I, I didn't feel it warranted it. Obviously, it was visually stunning. The special effects and the action were phenomenal, story-wise. There's barely any. Yeah, this was the problem I had with the film, because 
I had a real hard time getting a handle on the characters. Yeah. It felt like they, they didn't really have any kind of developments or personality. It was just one of those films where just things keep happening. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then this. And, and then and then she goes here. Yeah, exactly. So when it came to the, for, to the end of the film, I, didn't, I never felt particularly invested in her because mm. I didn't feel like I cared about her safety. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it wasn't like, oh, God, I really hope this person survives. I thought, in the end scene, because I didn't actually know what, what, the end, what happened at the end, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe she'll die. I was like, oh, that'd be <clears> interesting. <throat> but I kind of felt like I was watching it in a very abstract way. Mm-hmm. And then it might have been the drugs I was on, the, the hardcore painkillers I was on at the time. But mm-hmm. I kind of felt like, oh, that'd be interesting if she dies. Whereas you would want to be like, oh, God, don't die, don't you? You'd yeah, really yeah, want yeah. to be invested in her survival, which, same with George Clooney's character. Yeah. When he died, I felt nothing. Mm. And actually, that pissed me off a little bit. Really? It really annoyed me the way they killed him. Because it felt like such a cliched kind of pointless sacrifice, like just to make give his character this kind of nobility. I, d- I always find those a little bit hackneyed and hard to swallow. Well, it annoyed me that he didn't need to die. She could have just tugged. <clears throat> she, she could, one tug, yeah. She, that's one bit where the science was phenomenally wrong. Mm-hmm. Even as a non-science person, I was <clears throat> like, well, try. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was like, well, you're going to have to kill me. It just felt like he really jumped so quickly. Well, to thought, she could just grab the cables and just pull them in, even with the science that they put in, that, that they had in that film. Just hold on. And I'm going to start pulling you in. Hey, Doc. Just hold on. Hang on. I am going to pull you in. Ryan, listen. Pull you in. You have to let me go. No. The ropes are too loose. I'm pulling no. you with me. No. You have to let me go or we both die. You go. We're fine. Ah, ah. No. Ryan, let go. No, no, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. It's not up to you. happening for real then he wouldn't have been pulled away at that point once he'd come mm-hmm. to a stop she could just pull him in he's weightless yeah it would be no effort to get him in i just uh, feel like a lot of this film her character irritated me because it, it did also play to that trope in which the least qualified least useful person is the one who survives <laughs> and everyone else is kind of like is kind of coming together to kind of make sure that this character survives yeah and it was like but you are you're the worst one mm. she didn't obey his command when he, his, his direct orders when he said mm-hmm. stop now yeah yeah so you know, maybe that would have made things better. Might have made things worse. Might have made things better. But yeah. we'll, we'll never know. She just, she was just constantly freaking out and screaming, just being really useless and annoying. Mm. And at no point in the film did I feel like she showed why she was there and why she was a space professional. Mm-hmm. It was so weird because it, it was on the one hand I'm watching a, a sci-fi film with a female lead who who kind of dominates the film which is really cool and only really apart from the alien trilogy mm-hmm. you don't see it so often but yeah she was so simpering and useless and even to the point where at the end when she's in the chinese space station and mm-hmm. she her method of landing this incredibly oh complex God. ship is eeny oh. meeny miny mo it felt i felt like I, as a feminist to be a, i could always be offended by that you know what i mean like it's, <laughs> yeah. could she not have had that had some kind of you know maybe she spoke chinese you know maybe that was just a hidden skill that she had you know that's mm. something that people films often kind of bring up you know people speaking random languages and, yeah or something you know, i mean it would have been kind of convenient, but just something like the buttons are any universal language yeah anything which, but eeny meeny miny mo it yeah. was i just felt she was like, useless i bro. genuinely don't believe that that 
that the buttons that the controls in the Chinese station would be in Chinese. No, it would be sim- symbols. It would be universal symbols, surely. Universal symbols or English. Like, English is the international business language. Mm-hmm. Coding languages, they're all pretty international. Um, I would imagine that uh, stuff that happens in space, yeah, why not? Hmm. But, it would um, make sense, collaboratively. Yeah. Uh, I could complain about this film for hours. Well, go on, I've talked a lot. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um, just so many things. Matt, what do you think of the acting in it? Well, I thought they were both good. I you thought know. they were... Well, I thought George Clooney was fine. He was just George Clooney. He was very much... It's just George Clooney in space. Yeah. And uh, Sandy Bollock was just... Sandy Bollock, did you just say? That's her name. Okay. I know, she, she wasn't good. She was just exposition the whole time. She was constantly yeah. just saying what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I've got 90 minutes until that, uh, until that storm comes back. This is the problem when you have a film with one character, is that they have to speak in pure... Apart from... Because George Clooney leaves fairly early. Yeah. And he was, they have to bring him back as a hallucination at one point, just to give, <laughs> so she can talk to someone. That bit, I was yeah. so glad it was a hallucination. And it yeah. wasn't. He opened the door and that was fine. Yeah, yeah, that bit I was like, if he survived, it, I, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the of acting though, um, I've I've found out some interesting casting tidbits about this in the course of my research this mm-hmm. week. So, do you know anything about who was originally in the line for these parts? Um, it wasn't Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie was originally approached to play George Clooney's character. No, to play uh, <laughs> if only to play the Sandra Bullock. Role. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what, do you think she would have been better or worse? I think she might have been better because I've already seen Sandra Bullock in many other things, so I can't tell if she's a good actor or not i do like angelina jolie though i do i think angelina jolie is very good in is a good action movie person she's been mm. good in action films before yeah i don't know how i would swallow her as kind of again as a an, an astronaut because she, she's very glamorous movie star that's true Whereas sandra yeah. bullock her whole appeal is that she's quite girl next door so you can kind of buy into i get not 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 to say there aren't really glamorous science but angelina jolie is so movie star and to mm-hmm. the point where you know the, the kind of the plumped up lips and it, i think it would be hard for her not to look out of place. Whereas, would her spacesuit have boobs? Well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> would she be wearing hot pants under like Sandy Bullock was? Why was she wearing hot pants under an astronaut suit? I, I, I don't know. No. I was very tempted to make my sequel just Sandy Bullock in a desert with a tank top and hot pants just <laughs> surviving. Oh, people would probably tune into that to be fair. Yeah. That would make money. Uh, but also, so Angelina Jolie was the main person who was approached multiple times. Mm. Also, Marion Cotillard was, asked, was, was approached for the role. Oh, yeah. She would have been good. Yeah, she would. She would have been not, so very French. Yeah, she would. Not very well known, though. No. I've very... Aside Inception from, was about the same time, yeah. I think, or maybe slightly before. Aside from Inception, I've never... She's amazing in French. Like, if you ever mm-hmm. see La Vie en Rose, the film she won the Oscar for, no, unbelievable performance. Like, transformative. Mm-hmm. In a lot of English things, I find her not a very good actress. Because yeah. I don't think her, her level of English... I think she's getting better. Mm-hmm. But I think when she won that Oscar, she barely spoke English because the film was French language. Mm-hmm. And since she was subsequently cast in The Dark Knight, for one of the Dark Knight mm-hmm. films, I forget yeah, which yeah. one. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Rises. And she's been in, she was in other films as well. And she always distracted me a little bit because she was just a little bit wooden. Mm. So, yeah, and I think it's a, it was a language barrier thing, which I think she is improving with. But mm-hmm. So I, with all the exposition, I don't know how well she would have carried that off. But I would, yeah. I would have been interested to see it. I don't know if it would have made as much money with her, though, because as you say, she's not really box office the way that yeah. Sandra Bullock... And Sandra Bullock got this role straight after she won the Oscar for The Blind Side, so she was on a real hot streak. Uh, so I will say she was better in this than The Blind Side. If, she was, if, she, if, if Sandra Bullock has to have an Oscar, I kind of <clears> wish it was for this rather than The Blind Side, because I think of the two performances, it's a better film and a better performance, but... I don't think her performance was amazing in this. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't jaw-dropping, but The Blind Side is one of the worst Oscar films I've seen in recent years. Okay. <laughs> and she wasn't bad, but I just thought the role was so bad that mm. I just her acting was almost irrelevant to me because the film annoyed me so much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Marion Cotillard. And the other, the other one who was approached was Natalie Portman. 
Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. She would have done a very Natalie Portman thing. Like yes. She would have been very super intense and yes. very theatrical, so it would have been a bit different, but she yeah. could have pulled it off. Yeah, that would be, that would be quite good. Was anybody else tried to go before George Clooney? Yes, so the, the role before George Clooney, the, the person who was approached, was Robert Downey Jr. Oh, really? Yeah. That would have been interesting. I think it would have been much the same, because I think they're kind of the same actor in many ways. Yeah. They both, they're both like when you see Robert Downey Jr., yeah. he's always being Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And when you see George Clooney, he's always being George Clooney, and they're both very suave. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's kind of like for like for me. I think they both would have been fine. Actually, I disagree with what you just said about Robert Downey Jr. He's not always playing himself. In Iron Man, he kind of is, mm-hmm. but in his other films, he's not. Have you seen uh, The Judge? I'm not actually no. It's a really good film that he did quite recently, well, quite a couple of years ago. That's quite good. Uh, I don't think he's playing himself in Sherlock Holmes so much. Okay, fair the enough. The English accent masks that massively. Yeah. No, that's fair. Well, George Clooney never does accent work. I've seen, I've seen him in, but I forget. I don't think I've ever seen George Clooney not do his own accent. And yeah. Just, he, he's very much a, a st- an actor who has a personality that people people build films around. Yeah. yeah. So, which which is <clears throat> often great, but... Yeah. And this film, yeah, I, like I said, I felt like I was watching George Clooney. <laughs> so it was a little bit distracting. He wasn't out of place particularly. It was just mm. kind of like, oh, oh you're, you're George Clooney. I always find it weird that he gets uh, equal billing. Yeah, well, was that to kind of try and hide the fact that he do- he dies early, or just because he's a big star? Must be. Yeah, M- must be the first one. Yeah, and he's in it quite a lot, to be fair. Even though he dies in the first half hour, his mm-hmm. voice is kind of throughout. Yeah, he's the only other person on screen. Yeah, pretty much. You Off know that the... um, the person who was playing Mission Control, the guy at Mission Control, mm-hmm. was Ed Harris. Oh, really? Who played that exact role in Apollo thirteen? Oh, that's cool. Same a universe. Well, maybe. I guess that's probably why they cast him. Right? So. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I like that. It's only a. Like a couple of sentences on yeah. voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did the guy who got, got his face smashed did not get any lines before he died at the beginning? He got lines, but you didn't see his face at the same time. Oh, you only saw his face when there was only half a face. Yeah. yeah. The dog scene, when she starts barking like a dog. I couldn't what tell if that, that was the drugs kicking in. What was that all about? That was... Well, her holding on to humanity in some way. So, but was that real or was that another hallucination? Did she actually tune into some random guy with his dog? Or was that her, like, fever dream? I... I don't. I genuinely don't know because she hadn't turned the oxygen down by that point. Yeah. So, kind of yes, but then why couldn't like NASA or anybody else get in touch? But this random person who's done it by accident can. Yeah, I couldn't follow that bit at all. Yeah. Like, what is what is going on? I didn't go. Make your dogs bark again for me, would you please? You dogs. Dogs. You know. Woof woof. Dogs. Oh. 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 Woof woof. Oh. Woo woo. Oh. Oh. Die on it, So, why did you recommend this film? It sounds like you had a lot of problems with it. So. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to talk about, and it yes. has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I thought uh, it would be really fun to come up with an idea for. Mm-hmm. Turns out, really goddamn difficult. It is. It's really hard. I had a real hard <laughs> time this week because, as we mentioned, it's not really a character-driven film. Mm. So. You can't be like, oh, imagine that character, but transposed to a different scenario. Or mm-hmm. what happened next for that character? Because it's like, well, that character's only reason for being was to survive. Mm. Like, you don't. You, she has that thing with her dead daughter, but it's not oh, really, yeah. not no, really enough not. to hang anything on. No. So yeah, and also the the situation 
It's so specific. It's very specific. Do you know that it, it is a situation that could actually happen almost exactly as it did in the film? Oh, really? In terms of... In, in, ter- in terms of if a debris field was created for whatever reason, mm-hmm. it could then cause a chain reaction with all the other space stuff, breaking up all that, and then could just shut down space travel for decades. Oh, that's interesting, because I thought that was one of the more implausible things about it. No, that's one of the more plausible things about oh, okay. it. Because I felt like it was weird that the Russian and the Japanese and the Chinese, or whatever, no, the Chinese, the Russian and the American space stations all just appeared to be in walking distance of each other. Yeah. They were just like, oh, it's just, it's just over there. Yeah. <laughs> like in the vast emptiness of space. It's like, oh, it's just over there. Yeah. <laughs> just a little casual stroll through space. to the. You know. <laughs> I'm guessing, so that's not real, surely? No. But no, what's real no, is no. if, 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 what, if, if a, if a space station was exploded in some way mm. and then the debris caught into orbit, it would hit that kind of track that all of them are in orbit off and so it could wipe out them all in a matter of days or something. It could wipe out them all, but I imagine it would take a while because they all orbit in different ways and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rare that they're nearby each other, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. But just, it's, it's extremely rare, but convenient for the film. Yeah. And the director said there are some things which are not true, which I just had to do for the sake of the story. Mm. Which is fine. I'm not. I know we, we both know, know people who get, get very hung up on plausibility mm. issues in films. Um, mm. I can let it go. Like the, I noticed a few things like that, like the space stations being suspiciously close together. Mm. But I wouldn't say they were the things that took away from my enjoying the film. I'm, I'm happy to like accept a premise. And be like, no, okay, not massively. I feel like when she got to the Chinese station, it was very much like, oh my god, this film's still going. Yeah. Even though it's only an hour and a half film, which yeah. is really short. Was um, it in real time? No. No. No, it wasn't because the debris field came round every ninety minutes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And the I film, like it should and have been the, the film itself was ninety minutes, mm-hmm. but yeah, just once you got to another space station, it's like, oh, we've already had this. Come on, yeah. what's going to happen? But no, that was kind of the wrap up, and it, I suppose, it worked well, just about. But it really did feel like at the end, it's like, oh, and this is going to kill her, and this is going to kill her, and yeah, exactly. I think that's why it feels like, longer. Oh, the entry's going to kill her. Oh no, now mm. the parachute didn't deploy properly. And, <laughs> oh no, now she's crashed. Oh now, now she's burning. Oh now she's drowning. Oh now she's caught in some reeds. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think she had a worse day than Paula Passon in Deja Vu? Uh, y- yeah, I'd say so. Possibly, yeah, possibly even more traumatic. <laughs> <laughs> Did she actually vomit at any point? No, she didn't. It feel it really felt like she should have vomited. Yeah, but then you know, this pretty film, we'd have to look at yeah. her face through vomit. But I love that because in the three D and everything, if one of the, one of the three D effects was just like specks of vomit like floating towards the audience, that would have been amazing. We had tears at one point. We did have tears. Why not vomit? Yeah, yeah. Why not just chunks of. Also, scientifically inaccurate. You can't cry T- in space. Yeah. No, you can, but tears don't float away from your eyes. They oh. just pull up by your eyes. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but yeah, just to go back to George Clooney's death very quickly, I would have thought it would be much more interesting and bold if he'd just been killed by a piece of debris really quickly just like boom he's dead and she's got to deal with it on her own mm. i felt like the whole just giving him a george clooney speech and a scene and like a noble <laughs> death yeah it made me kind of tune out i was just like oh well, it's it's the noble sacrificing male kind of trope mm. and it was just like nah, yeah boring yeah. but yeah but on the whole mm-hmm. that all those complaints aside it was watchable mm-hmm. it yeah. looked i definitely think visually amazing mm. and i can see why it kind of is a classic of a kind. It deserved a lot of the Oscars it won. Yeah, definitely. As a technical achievement, great. Yeah. As a interesting story, maybe not so much. Nah. But, uh, well, anyway, so... Your story first. Um, so sequels, okay. Yeah. So as I say, I, I did struggle with this, so um, <laughs> it is a direct sequel again. Mm. I'm on a bit of a hot streak with direct sequels at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and mix it up a little bit. Okay. But, uh, so my sequel is Gravity 2, The Lost World. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just crossing over with Jurassic Park. It doesn't. There may be some crossovers that I, I encourage you to listen out for and uh, shout out if you spot them. Um, okay. Okay. So it takes place immediately after the first film. Immediately. Immediately. Okay. Like, so yeah, pretty much after the credits roll. Yeah. Like, straight back in. So Sandra Bullock, Dr. Ryan, 
Something. Stone. Rhinestone, mm-hmm. strong name, has just survived the crash landing and emerged on a remote island away to await her rescue. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, due to the fact that her escape pod went right down to the bottom of the lake, mm-hmm. she doesn't have any equip- way of communicating with Houston. She's got no technical equipment with her. Nothing at all, yeah. Nothing. So... She doesn't know top and hot pants. That's it. That's it. She's just yeah. She's just dressed to kill. That's it. So she's got no way of contacting them. No way of knowing if whether they're coming, when they're coming, Mm -hmm. whether whether they know her coordinates, etc. So after taking some time to like chill out on the beach, you know, to to catch her breath, you know, she decides to go looking for supplies because she doesn't know how long she's going to be. So she gathers some firewood. She lights a fire by the side of the lake and she kind of sits down to rest. Unfortunately, moments later, her rest is disturbed when a giant octopus rises from the lake and grabs with its tentacles and starts spinning around and around and around in kind of a <laughs> horrifying kind of recreation of her, her experience in deep space. Okay, yeah. So once again, she's being flung, flung around, she's screaming, she's nauseous. It's not good. So that happens and she manages to ride free of its grasp, dive into the water, swim to shore and run into the woods to get away from this giant octopus, mm-hmm. which she does. Uh, after getting a safe distance from the lake, she stops, catches her breath again and then she notices there is a blood-stained army helmet on the ground, and she picks it up, and then she sees that the trees nearby are already also splashed with kind of blood and human viscera, and something's going down. I'm, I'm already sensing a crossover here. You, you didn't care to make any predictions? Recent film that we saw? Poss- possibly, possibly. Kong Skull Island? Yeah, yeah, we've we'll, we'll entered that universe. Okay. Yeah. So, just as she's processing this new kind of situation, she's almost impaled by what first appears to be a giant spike, and then, until she looks up and realises it, it's the leg of an enormous spider. Okay, yeah. So yeah, essentially we're on Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. I'll just join the dots there. Yeah. Because I felt like at the end of the original film, it kind of looked like she was on some weird remote island. Like the, my first thought, because I'd seen that film quite recently, was, oh, she's on Skull Island. Because mm-hmm. she was in this random kind of picturesque middle of nowhere place. Mm-hmm. Which, so I was kind of like, oh, okay. So yeah, it just immediately popped into my head. And Fair I enough. kind of thought, why... Did she guide it in any way, or was, could she just have easily have landed in the middle of a city and been killed? I think she could have landed anywhere. Yeah, so it was just blind yeah. luck that she was in the middle of a lake. Yeah. Well, she's not been so lucky, man, because now she's on an abandoned island. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so now she's being attacked by a giant spider, much like the book. Well, it is the one from Skull Island, for those mm-hmm. who've seen it. So she's running and running and running, and she's probably making some kind of wisecrack about how she wishes she was back in space, you know. <laughs> and then she comes out of the woods and finds, once again, she's at the shore of the river. So another, a different part of it, but, you know, it's a big river. Yeah. So, yeah. So she looks there and she, a little way away, she sees a boat leaving the shore. So she runs towards it, screaming for help. But before she can get the attention of the people on the boat, there's an enormous explosion. Right. And then the river catches fire. And then as she watches in horror, a giant monkey emerges <laughs> from the smoke and begins fighting with a hideous half-bird, half-skeleton creature. Right, okay. Okay. So basically, for those who've not seen Skull Island, what I'm describing is the plot of the end of Skull Island. Yeah. Where the cast of Skull Island are escaping on their boat, and Samuel L. Jackson's character... So spoiler alerts for Skull Island. I don't normally use spoiler alerts, but you've not tuned in to this, expecting Skull Island spoiler alerts. So So yes, spoiler alerts for Skull Island. Samuel L. Jackson's character creates a huge explosion to try and kill King Kong, Mm -hmm. ends up setting the river on fire, getting killed himself, and then King Kong ends up fighting with this... Skeleton bird, what were they called? Uh, Skullcrawler. Skullcrawler, yeah. And it's this whole big creature creature battle. Yeah. So she's basically watching that fight happen from a distance. Nobody can see mm-hmm. her. She's not involved, but she's watching it mm-hmm. with kind of in horror and confusion. So the fight ensues, and she's afraid to get too close, so she kind of has to hang back while all this is going on because mm-hmm. you know, there's fire, there's monsters. So in the in all the confusion, she loses track of the boat and all the other people. Mm-hmm. So that they're gone. So that opportunity is missed. So ultimately, the giant monkey defeats this bird skeleton thing, much as in Skull Island and strides off into the sunset, leaving her stuck on the beach, no closer to any kind of rescue. Okay. Increasingly confused and traumatised. Yeah. 
So <clears throat> she turns to walk away. As she turns around, she discovers that there's a whole mass of native tribes people behind her pointing their spears at her. At this point, she's probably like, oh, come on. <laughs> she's, she's having a day. Yeah. Um, but then, so just as it appears she's about to be killed, a familiar face emerges from the crowd. Any guesses? George Clooney? It's George Clooney, yeah. How? Well, this is it. So, Matt Kowalowski, the George Clooney character, yeah. appears to befriend the tribes people, and he orders them to drop their spears. Mm-hmm. So she's like, Kowalski, I thought you were dead. And he's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but Great then, scripting there. Yes. So, <laughs> then he tells her to follow him back to the, the tribes people's camp, because there is a lot to talk about, and he has a mm-hmm. lot to explain to her that she needs to. So they get back to the camp, and there's a fire, and they're eating and resting, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she gets a chance to collect, collect herself and recover and catch her breath, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then once she's kind of suitably relaxed, Kowalski, Clooney's character, so she asks him, what's going on? What is this? It just feels like my entire day has been filled with a series of increasingly ridiculous events tied together by a paper-thin plot that prioritises escalating action over plausibility. <laughs> and I just don't understand. <laughs> so is this film made by the same people who made the first film or is it going to be a different team that's making this film? I would hope they'd want they'd see the script and want to get back on board. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I like to think it'd be a collaborative effort between the uh, Gravity team and the Skull Island team. Okay, yeah. Make, we're, with script supervision by me. So, yeah. yeah. I feel that's, that's a dream team right there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Kowalski puts a gentle hand on his shoulder. He looks deep into her eyes. And he says, Ryan, you need to brace yourself. There's something I need to tell you, and it's not going to be easy to hear. First of all, my name is not Matt Kowalski. My name is Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> so she's like, who's, who's Buzz Lightyear? And he says, well, Buzz Lightyear is a space ranger from Star Command. He's also a toy. <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? You're not a toy. Yes, I am, Ryan. And so are you. Dr. Ryan Stone is the name our owner gave you. You're actually Space Adventure Barbie. A recent release from the Mattel family of products, um, released to an attempt to cast female marketed toys in a less gender reductive light. And uh, obviously she freaks out a little bit, and that's hard for anyone to hear. I think I've sp- spotted another crossover. Oh, really? Is it Toy Story? <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing gets by you. Yeah. Um, so yes, we're in a situation now where she's being, having to make peace with the fact that she's a toy. So she's like, I don't believe you, you're insane, you're lying, that's crazy, I'm not a toy, I'm a human being. And she's like, Ryan, take a look at your foot. She lifts up her foot. Soul of a shoe, and of course it says "Made in Taiwan." <laughs> She's like, "No, that's a tattoo I got when I was a student." <laughs> He's like, "No, Ryan, it's not." <laughs> Think about it. Think about your whole life. Doesn't your life story seem strangely thin and implausible? Yeah? You're a medical doctor. What were you doing in space? Yeah? You crash landed a complex Chinese space station by playing Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. You're wearing hot pants underneath an astronaut suit. That doesn't make sense. There was no reason for that. So she's obviously quite horrified with this. <laughs> Doesn't take it too well. And she runs off headlong into the jungle. You know, just freaking out, running, running, running. And as she starts to run, she notices her surroundings beginning to change. Mm-hmm. And we, this is going to be a cool kind of visual effect. There's the trees, the trees and the surrounding kind of fauna and fa- flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. It becomes clear that it's Lego. And she's, <laughs> eventually she gets out of the clearing and she's just in a, a giant bedroom. Giant human bedroom. And she's right. tiny. So it's true. She's a toy. Um, oh, I thought it was going to be a Lego movie crossover. Could have done, but no, I don't, I don't know the franchise well enough. So. Sure thing. Yeah. So anyway, in the distance, on the carpet, mm-hmm. she spots the body of the third spaceman from the shuttle. Mm-hmm. The one who got his face smashed in. Yeah, yeah. So she races over to him, and when she reaches him, she realises it's actually a broken G.I. Joe toy. 
So, yeah. so she's cradling this toy. Aww. And then so Matt slash Buzz comes up behind her gently again, hand on her shoulder. He's like, you need to face reality because um, you need, we've got an urgent mission for you. Mm-hmm. So you need to deal with this. So then she kind of faces it. You know, there's no denying it now. She's a toy. So mm-hmm. she, she processes and then he's like, okay, we belong to an eight-year-old boy named Jack. And today is Jack's birthday. And he's been spending the morning playing Space Adventures, followed by Skull Island Adventures, mm-hmm. in which he played an active role in both. Uh, <laughs> and now he's been called downstairs to open his presents. So, in the style of the first Toy Story movie, we now urgently need to find out what he's getting for his birthday. Mm-hmm. This, this could really, this could be either good news or bad news for us, so we need to find out. I'm predicting another crossover. Oh, do you want to take any, any guesses? Uh, um, no, I've got nothing. Really? Something superhero-based? Possibly. Oh, is it Batman? No. Ah. So, we're, we're going to get a scene now, very much redolent of the original Toy Story movie, where okay, yeah. Buzz and Space, Space Barbie slash Ryan are working together using their anti-gravity experience, you know, all mm-hmm. the hooks and wires and levies and pulleys and stuff, to kind of get down the stairs, <laughs> yeah. evade the family cat, yeah, you know, yeah. find a space where they can observe Jack opening his gifts. And so all this builds up to the moment of truth. He's opening his presents. Fine, fine, safe, 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 nothing exciting. Then he's, he's got this biggest box. And then he opens the big box, the biggest presents. And to the horror of Buzz and the other toys, it is a complete collection of the Guardian of the Galaxy action figures. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the film ends. So the credits, that's the big finish. Oh, right. And then there's a bit of an abrupt end. I'm sorry. I yeah, yeah. struggled to wrap this up neatly. Sure. But then the credits roll, and I think we should have some kind of post credit sequence then of... Um, Maybe Dr. Ryan being tormented by Rocket and Groot. Uh, <laughs> maybe Matt slash Buzz being competitive with Star-Lord. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And uh, maybe King Kong wrestling with Drax the Destroyer. You know, all this kind of stuff. So yeah. like, like the original Toy Story films, they have all these little cute little oh, yeah, yeah. post-credit kind of fun. Outtake kind of things. Yeah. And maybe we can set up another sequel then where maybe the original toys are getting like passed, passed over and the Guardian of the Galaxy action figures become the dominant toys. And mm-hmm. maybe we can have some Toy Story 3 slash sadness coming in at some point. Oh, but. Yeah. I'm not going to touch that now. I feel like that's, that's, that's enough action for one movie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, essentially. Oh, we could also maybe introduce baby groups at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, this, that is... So that would be um, Gravity to the Lost World. Oh. That's my pitch. That sounds really good. I think that I would like the listeners to try and pitch a sequel to Gravity to the Lost okay. World. I feel like it sets one up, yeah. Gravity 3, whatever. Okay, I'll put um, that on social media and yeah. we'll see what the best one will get. Um, maybe a prize, who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe we're not maybe a, we're not promising anything. But. Maybe a like on Facebook if we're yeah. if, if we're feeling happy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Oh, thank you. Any questions? Nope. 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 Cool. I always struggle to think of questions. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm, difficult one. I'm just too good a storyteller. <laughs> you're very thorough. <laughs> okay. You don't really leave many open doors. Mm-hmm. I was thinking the kid might be played by Jacob Tremblay, but there wasn't any particular reason for that. Wait, which one's that? He's a kid from Room. Ah, yeah. I briefly considered having the toys belong to the kid from Room and having a whole subplot where Ooh. they're in the room, but then I, that, that was too dark and weird, even for me. For, for you, <laughs> I, I just couldn't figure out where to go with that. This is like, your least dark idea, yeah. Yeah, this is quite. Yeah, I thought maybe let's have some light and shade rather than just shade. So yeah. Yeah. Mm, well, uh, I wasn't predicting a Toy Story crossover. Who would? Um, I did consider a Guardians crossover for yours. Yeah. Okay. I did not go that route. Oh, good. So mine is called. Gravity 2, Down to Earth. And our story starts 15 years later. Okay. Or, or thereabouts, I don't know. Sometime, sometime later. We start with, uh, we're clearly in Houston, there's a rocket launch happening. And we see inside, that's a crew, led by Dr. Rhinestone. Mm-hmm. She, she is now the captain. She's going back to space. Oh, really? I would have thought she would never want to go back up there again. I thought she went through. Nah, she's inspired. 
Okay. She's inspired by uh, what? Uh, Matt Kowalski. Kowalski. God damn that name. <laughs> um, yeah, she's inspired by what Matt Kowalski did, and she wants to find his body and just get him back. And After get... 15 years? Things don't de- uh, decompose in space. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's no, no, no air, there's no nothing to make them Oh, I guess there's no, yeah, no maggots. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're essentially frozen, aren't they? Yeah. Would he have just been in orbit? Uh, yeah. Why has it taken so long? Uh, because they have been building a spaceship that can withstand the debris fields. Oh, okay. So there is a spaceship up in orbit, it's been built up in orbit, um, and it's waiting for this crew to come and arrive, and then they're going to... Well, we'll see. So the rocket takes off, goes into space... They've only got a short window to actually get to this ship before a debris field comes, which would likely destroy this launch rocket. Okay. Um, so the ship, are they going back to the original ship? What's left of it? Is that the idea? No, they're going back to a new ship. A new ship. Named the SS Kowalski. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. Yeah, well, <laughs> thought that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, and so they take off, they get into space, and almost immediately a debris field hits. Okay. Uh, which was unpredicted because after 15 years, they're very hard to predict. They've spread out massively. There's debris all over the planet. Okay. All, all over the atmosphere, I okay. we should say. Yes, and so the ship takes heavy damage. Nobody dies, though. It Now, the rockets are broken. It can't move anywhere. So, Rhinestone commands two of the crew, essentially the George Clooney-type characters, because there's always, there's always some of them in space, mm-hmm. <laughs> to actually do a spacewalk with jetpacks, get out to the bottom of the ship and just literally push it. Oh, push the ship. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> so, so they get out, go to the bottom, so just turn the jetpacks on and sh- and they and, and it, it just about works. Um, Is there any scientific veracities of that at all? Like things weigh yeah. less than... Is that true? Things don't weigh, things weigh so little in space you could just push it? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. I can't Alex prove that either way, but I'll buy, I'll, I'll buy it for the <laughs> purposes of this story. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm no scientist. <laughs> You're not? No. Oh, okay. yeah. You've lied to me all these years. Yeah. <laughs> And they get to the ship, and we see we see what the ship looks like. It is massive. Mm-hmm. On one side of it, it's got a cone that's maybe 100 metres wide, maybe bigger. It's made of super thick steel, so that it can withstand the debris. All the walls are made of this steel that essentially is indestructible, okay. which is what it needs to be, because there's just so much debris going thousands of miles an hour. It mm-hmm. needs to... Does the ship re- resemble a ship from another film franchise you're going to be bringing in at some point? Or? Not specifically. Oh, okay. Well, I just, you seemed quite specific about it, so I wondered if there was something I was missing. So not it's Star got... Destroyer or anything, no? No, no. Okay. So it's got a cone on one side, which is used for collecting debris. Okay. So it brings all the, cone, the, the debris into the middle of the cone. With like a magnetic field or something? Well, yeah, that and just sort of the debris. It, it catches. Yeah, okay. it catches. It. Okay. Um, and on the other side, it's just got a massive metal, essentially a baseball bat. <laughs> right you go on and so they get on the ship and then we start seeing bits of the interior it's massive it's got it's got a gym it's got a massive living space it's got uh, air reproduction facilities you know plants massive food store it's got a morgue it's got everything oh, okay <laughs> tennis courts ping pong did you notice the ping pong bat in the in the yeah. film like yeah, that. what was that? <laughs> just thought, why not? Was that in the Chinese space station as well? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mm. racial um, stereotyping. Maybe, yeah. People have played ping pong in space, though. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Shortly after they get on board, a debris field hits, and mm-hmm. so we see what this ship can do, and, you know, it takes a beating. But Is this the first debris... The first debris field that, that, that we see of this with this ship. Okay. Well, um, the, the one that you described earlier, is that the one that's happening now, or...? Uh, no, it's a different one. But they're they're much closer now. They're not ninety minutes apart. They're just yeah, all the every, time. Yeah, all okay. the time. Every couple of minutes. Right. And so we see this ship 
collecting the debris in the cone, mm-hmm. and we see the the launch ship that uh, just brought them there sort of falling to pieces already. Right, but everyone um, got off safely. Everyone got off safely. They're okay. all on board. And the two guys got to get out and push. They were yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fine. A bit tired, but fine. Yeah. <laughs> and we see that the debris that gets collected in the cone goes into a central bit, which can then be accessed from the inside. Mm-hmm. They take this debris in and they sort through it, see if there's anything you know that, that they that they need, or if there's any actual astronauts in there as well. Oh, okay, so how they hope to catch Mars. Yeah, okay. I'll see there's loads of astronauts which were just lost in space, mm-hmm. not just the ones we saw in the first film, but you know, let's say there were more. Okay, there's nothing in this, and so they just eject the debris towards Earth. It goes into the atmosphere and just burns up into nothing. Okay, and so their mission is to clean up space. Essentially, so they can relaunch space travel because they've got no satellites there anymore. So, this entire planet, our planet, so Earth in 15 years has no GPS, internet is a lot more difficult to implement, stuff without satellites is very difficult. Oh, because they said there was that throwaway line that Facebook's going to go out for the entire world, didn't they? I thought that would actually cause chaos. Yeah, well, not just Facebook, but the internet. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. They said it like it was so throwaway. Oh, Facebook will go down. Like, no, if the internet goes down, the world will fall apart. Yeah. So the internet went down for years and mine. I haven't really gone into detail on that. Yeah. But they brought they brought it back up with just more extensive uh, ground level cabling. Okay. So this mission isn't just a sentimental let's rescue Matt. It also has a real purpose then of kind of clearing up this asteroid belt. Yeah, it's, it's not... Yeah. The, 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 the main mission is to clear up space. And the re- the, but the reason that Ryan Stone is commanding this mission is because personally she wants to, she wants to find his body. Okay. And give him a proper burial. That makes sense to me. Cool. Yeah. Because, you know, she was close to him. Well, not massively close, but she was by the end, obviously. No. Yeah, and then we see uh, what the other end of the ship can do, the baseball bat area. <laughs> Is it literally like a baseball bat on a, like a mechanical arm that's just like batting debris away? Oh, essentially. So, that, <laughs> so, so that's for bigger bits of debris. Okay. And, and so as their ship now moves off to go and find the next debris field or the next big thing, um, this baseball bat just whacks their launch vehicle <laughs> and just shoots it right back at the atmosphere and it just burns up into nothing. Is there going to be some kind of wisecracking Chris Pratt type in the con- who's behind the wheel controlling this batting thing? Like? Definitely. Yeah. Tell you what, let's make it Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really... That'd be a good special effect to see. That'd be, yeah, that'd be fun. Because yeah. obviously the first Gravity was all about special effects. So I think yeah. this one should try and be the same. But... True. I like the idea of bringing special effects that are kind of a little bit more comedic. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was no comedy in the first No, time. it took itself very seriously. Yeah. Would have been nice, but then. Yeah. now in mine, in in my film, space is big. Because obviously in the first one it wasn't. Everything was in about twenty meters of each other. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't all happen in four hours, which I think the the first one did. We're now going to have a montage okay. um, of <laughs> the crew just going about going about their day, collecting stuff in the in the cone, batting stuff out, <laughs> sorting through stuff. There's the occasional astronaut or something which. We see them take to the morgue. Is there a song that you can think of? Yes, there is. Oh, good. Nine to five, Dolly Parton. X. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) For some reason, whenever I think of montages, I always think of I'm a Believer by the Monkees. I think because of the Shrek films. So no matter what the situation, Mm -hmm. whenever I think my montage in my head is always begins with, I thought love was only true in fairy tales. (laughs) But let's go with nine to five. That's even better. Now, there's a couple of mysterious things that they keep finding in these inspections. Mm -hmm. They find a lot of potatoes. Okay. And they're not sure why, or where these potatoes have come from, how they got to space, or anything like that. Are they just regular potatoes? Like, yeah, just they're not like roasted or mashed or anything, they're just like free freestanding potatoes? Yeah, just some raw potatoes. Okay. Yeah, they're, confused. Yeah, they're, they're grown, and it's a very confusing thing to, to find. Yeah. Obviously some are a bit battered, because yeah. debris and that. I really hope there's like a big Irish space station about to come <laughs> over the hill. <laughs> 
And uh, another interesting thing they find, they actually find Kowalski's jetpack. Oh, but not Kowalski himself, no. just his jetpack. And Rhinestone finds it very weird because it's in perfect condition, empty, but it's in great condition. Mm-hmm. How did he get it off? Yeah. Like, it's, it's that must mean he's still alive, surely, because okay. why would why, why his jetpack not be with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, is Sandra Bullock still playing Rhinestone? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So she's just going to be wearing some ageing makeup, maybe? Or something. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that she looked really... She looked, she looked great in the Yeah, too fair. She could have been anything from, like, 30 to 45. Yeah. She, the, she's 47, I believe, Sandra Bullock. Yeah. You just give her a little bit of grey hair or something. Yeah. And, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yes, so... They're sorting through stuff. They find these odd things. They're not too sure what it's about. Um, then they come up to a ship, which turns out to be the first ship from Gravity One. Okay. The um, one that they were working on. Yeah, the one that... Yeah. Where they were working on the Hubble telescope, I think. Yeah. And so Rhinestone is like, oh god, this is this is my old crew. They're they're going to be in there. Mm-hmm. And so her, she she decides that she wants to do this herself. She goes out along with somebody else, Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're wearing both the jetpacks. Uh, and so they go and they're going to go and collect the bodies. Okay. Has she become a bit more professional now? A lot more professional. Yeah. She can handle herself now. Yes. Okay. Good. Less whingy. Yes. Good. She's <clears throat> she's a great character in this one. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> yeah, and so it's dangerous to go out, but they feel like they need to to get the bodies because that is part of their mission. Mm-hmm. And so they they wait for one storm to go past, and then they leave just to try and get as much time as possible. And they go in; all the bodies are still there, just floating about, just like normal. There's Lo- Looney Tunes figurines just floating about. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. And they start putting the bodies in bags, tying them together with ropes, and they're just gonna drag them back to the ship. When all of a sudden, the debris field comes. Mm-hmm. And starts tearing the ship apart. Obviously, they're in spacesuits, so that's not so much of an issue, but it's very dangerous. They could just get one stroke through the face. Yes. And so Rhinestone says, Right, Chris Pratt, we're going home right now. <laughs> he has no name, by the way. <laughs> we're going home right now. Just stop whatever you're doing, leave. And he's like, No, I just need to get this last one, this last body. Oh, I see what's happening here. And she's like, No, leave right now. <laughs> and as she's saying that, the piece of debris comes and gets him right through the chest out of the back of the jetpack. So he's killed? He's killed. Okay. Like, oh, the way I wanted George Clooney to die. Good. <laughs> like, just almost instantly, he yeah. makes eye contact with her and as, mm-hmm. as the life drains out of him. I don't, has Chris Pratt ever been killed on screen before? Uh, it be interesting to see. Not that I'd want to see him dead, <laughs> but it'd be interesting to, see, interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's dead, but he, he's tied himself to this chain of bodies and he's mm-hmm. just now become one he's of, one of those chain of bodies. One, one of these chains of bodies. And so she has no choice but to just leave, dragging these bodies with her because yeah. they're weightless, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she gets back to the ship, and it's all very sad. It's a sad moment. They've just lost their most charismatic uh, <laughs> friend. They don't have a... also the top billed actor, probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they don't have such a funeral, so much of a funeral for him. But they put all the bodies in the morgue, and she says all the names and all, all the names of the crew and Chris Pratt, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and finishes with uh, oh, "We'll find you, Kowalski." Just one tear streaming down her face. Aww. It's all a sad moments. Yeah. Somber music, like Dolly Parton's gone. Yeah. And the camera zooms out, and it just shows us how big space is and how mm-hmm. much they've got to search. Mm-hmm. We get another montage, some sadder music that I'd not thought of. Any ideas? Mm, a sad song for space. Maybe like some Amy Mann or something, some kind of singer song, you think? I don't know. <laughs> or maybe a sad Dolly Parton song, like I Will Always Love You. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, the, I like the idea of a, a space film with all music written and performed by Dolly Parton. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> and so eventually they come across a ship that looks just about intact. Like it's got some serious damage. It's not, it clearly can't re-enter, whether it's 
wings are gone, but like it still looks like it could have somebody in it and has a light on. Okay. There's a light at somebody's home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I forgot to mention earlier, there were only two jetpacks. Chris Pratt just lost one of them, essentially. So there's only one left? In... There's, only, there's only one jetpack left. Okay. You think they would have packed more? But... Yeah, <laughs> well, for the sake of the plot. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Maybe in the... There was something of accident and the, most of them got damaged or something. Yeah. Yeah, reasons. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Rhinestone, well, she has to go and explore and see what's see what's going on there. So mm-hmm. she they, she looks at where the next debris field's going to come from and she puts her ship in front of their ship. Mm-hmm. So that ship is now safe. That's not, that's not going to be an issue. And she leaves and she goes onto the ship and she notices that the airlocks are still working as well. She finds it's very odd. Because... Is this still the original ship? No, it's a completely different ship. A new ship, okay. And yeah, she finds that very odd because how how has that happened? Mm -hmm. Still after so many years. Mm -hmm. So she uses the airlocks properly, um, doesn't just open doors randomly like (laughs) she was so much through the first (laughs) time. It was a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I'm on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And as the air comes in um, through the airlock, she, she starts hearing this country music. Oh, I see where this is going. Okay. <laughs> um, a Dolly Parton song this time again? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was she done? It's Baby, I'm burning. Yeah. yeah, and then as she opens the inner airlock, she gets overwhelmed by this stench. <laughs> it's just awful. It's just years of just horrible. Yeah. Is this man stench? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's walking through this corridor. She looks, and there's just like a few rooms on either side. One of them she sees as a garden, and it's growing what looks like could be potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other one, there's like a sort of what looks like a chemistry lab, that sort of thing. And at the end of this corridor, there's there's a light on behind the door. And that's the source of the music as well. Okay. And so she goes through and she finds George Clooney is there. Mm-hmm. And he's alive. He's naked. He's grown loads of hair. <laughs> imagine him at his least attractive. Okay. Okay, I can see it, yeah. He's, and he's got to be like 70 now as well. He's smoking potato leaves. Okay. Trying to get high. <laughs> Drinking loads of vodka, which he's distilled himself, and just eating baked potatoes. He's just become a space hillbilly, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> and he's mostly crazy. He looks awful. He stinks. And she's just like, what is this? <laughs> she's not happy. No. She throws a rag at him just to help cover himself up. Um, <laughs> and uh, says, hi, Matt. And it's, it's, been, it's been 15 years. Mm-hmm. That was a good Sandra Bullock impression. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> he says, oh, I think I... I think I broke that record finally. That long space <laughs> what I showed him, but I'm ready to go home now. No, sorry, I'm ready to come down now. They hug it out for a bit, and she says, "Well, it's time to go back down to earth." And that's it. The camera zooms out. That's the end of the film. Oh, gravity nice. two down to earth. Okay, that's good. I like that. Interesting. Can we get some kind of Dolly Parton cameo, do you reckon? Is she like a, mem- a random member of the crew? Oh, yeah, that's She's, There's idea. a lot of her in the, in the soundtrack, so I feel like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah. I love the idea of Dolly Parton being a space ranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How old is she now? About 70. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> but in full Dolly Parton, you know, yeah. with the, the wig and the... Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I like that. So, uh, I I, again, I can, I can see it. I can, great. I was, great. I was kind of quite compelled for, for all that. So. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, so how did he survive? He's just been living on potatoes and vodka for like 50 uh, years. Yeah, pretty much. How, what food? Like you... I've been eating the potatoes. Oh, uh, okay. Have you seen the Martian? Oh, is it like that? He's growing them himself, okay. Essentially. Well, you could never make cons. I guess there were no communications, so you've just been like... Mm, yeah, communications knocked out. Yeah, so can't, can't, can't land this ship because it's too damaged, okay. but 
So he was floating free at the end of the first film after his noble sacrifice, and he mm-hmm. just comes upon this spaceship, this abandoned, presumably. Uh, yeah, because back in 2011, everything was really close. Yes. <laughs> and he just gets into that, but he can't communicate with anyone, so he just yeah. kind of has to wait out and hope someone comes to find him. Mm-hmm. And 15 years later, they do. Yeah. Okay, cool. I could say that you could do a midquel of his adventures, maybe, like, oh, yeah, you could yeah. set up a whole franchise. Yeah. Well, listeners, please do. Yeah. Yeah, again, pitch that too, if you want. So yeah. Pitch a sequel to one of our sequels. Oh. Or if you have uh, any just plain sequels of, of your own of Gravity yeah. or any of our other episodes. Yeah, we always appreciate them. We'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, well, uh, it's your choice next week. It is, yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different route next week. Yeah. Possibly something slightly risky because I'm going to recommend a film I've not seen. Ooh. But it's a recent film. It's a film I want to watch. And it yeah. seems... It, I don't think it's going to get a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it seems like an interesting film. So I'm, I'm interested to see what it's like and then what we can do with it. So I'm going to recommend that we watch a film called Swiss Army Man. Oh, Okay. It is Daniel Radcliffe of Harry Potter fame and yeah. Paul Dano, who's been in many things, such as um, nothing I can remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was in Oh Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been in lots of things. Anyway, so... I'm annoyed that you've beaten me to it of picking a film that neither of us have seen. Yeah. Why have you been planning that as well? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's, I think my next idea, maybe. So cool, we'll, yeah. We'll see. Keep it, keep it, keep, keep mixing it up. So, yeah, uh, it may be completely closed and impossible to sequelize. We will find out, but hopefully not. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've got high hopes. It seems quirky and interesting enough to... Be. I think it came out maybe two years ago. It's kind of an, or maybe even last mm-hmm. year. It's kind of an independent movie. Yeah, it was last year. Yeah, um, so I'm looking forward to both seeing it and discussing it. So yeah, yeah, that's, we'll that, that that'll be great. Please mm-hmm. do tune in same time next week. Yep. Not that we're radio. No. <laughs> tune in anytime. <laughs> so yeah, we are Beyond the Box Set. Our mm-hmm. website is beyondtheboxset.com, and you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, Beyond the Box Set. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Overcast, all your favourite podcast um, platforms. Have a look on our website for all the links. And uh, yeah, leave a comment, leave a sequel idea, leave a recommendation for something you'd like us to cover on a future episode. Anything you like, we'll give you a shout out on a future episode. Yeah. And if you love us loads, tell everyone about us. Yes, please review us on iTunes, subscribe. It really helps with our visibility. Mm. And maybe we'll make some money one day. That's the dream. <laughs> maybe. But then you guys will have to listen to adverts, which... Yes. Uh, don't, don't put them off. Oh, sorry. Queer the deal. Come on. We'll make them hilarious adverts. Yes. <laughs> Sequel adverts. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. How would that work? We'll make it work. Okay. <laughs> sure. Anyway, see you all next week for Swiss Army Man. Looking forward to it. Bye. Bye.